listening to Law and Gospel Open Mic Friday, April the 12th in the year of our Lord, 2019. And that means you can phone me, take over the microphone, ask a theological question, and I will attempt to answer it if there is an answer in the Bible. The number in St. Louis is 821-0850. And then anywhere in the United States, toll free, 1-800-730-2727. So, call early so we can get you on. Uh, Last week we had a little problem with the phones, and so uh, there was only one phone call we received. But uh, I'm told that the phones are working, 1-800-730-2727. I want to give you a little bit of uh, news. One of the items I do, I put on about 1,000 miles a week going to various congregations, especially right now. Uh, preaching at four of them for Lent, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, etc. And while I'm in the car, I enjoy listening to XM Sirius. They have some good music, symphony music, a comedy station. But uh, recently, and some of you have asked about this, uh, we found that I had purchased back in 2016 a whole set of CDs of the entire Bible. And I'm really enjoying listening to them. In fact, uh, this last week I got through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and all set to start with Deuteronomy. Now, what's interesting about this is they have different voices for the different characters. There's always some kind of music in the background. And, for example, when God is talking to the people of Israel, uh, you'll hear noises of cattle and sheep and the people in the background uh, talking about what God has to say, etc. It's just very, very kind of interesting to listen to. It's entitled, The Bible Experience Complete. Now, I only paid $63, and that included tax and shipping and handling and everything. And so one of the other congregations asked me about this, and I looked it up, and I got it from QVC. That's that item on television. They sell all kinds of products. I contacted them. They don't have it anymore, but it appears that it is available at Walmart, Barnes and Noble, and Amazon.com. Now, as I looked at those, the one I think you'll want to take a look at is Amazon.com, the complete Bible experience, and it's for $115.99. So if you have a car with a CD, and I need to mention that because I'm now told that new cars no longer come with a CD player. Uh, People have gone beyond that, and they're using other implements to listen on the radio. But if you have a CD, uh, you'll want to listen to it, because you can listen to it at home. There's about 90 CDs. It's just really quite interesting. None of them last over an hour and 15 minutes, because that's the length of a vocal CD that you can put items on. So we want to 
indicate that to you. It's called The Complete Bible Experience. And it comes with a guide and case. And even though my individual price was $54.96 from Amazon, it's about $115.99. The ones from Barnes & Noble and Walmart, I believe, are shortened versions of it. Uh, They don't have the entire Bible. But the one from Amazon.com appears to. So that's one item I wanted to talk about. Uh, Second of all, I want to uh, once more kind of summarize what I and Wes Reimnitz did yesterday looking at this new book by this Franciscan friar, Richard Rohr, where he believes that Jesus is universal in that he is in everything and that all people are going to be saved. Uh, The name of his book, which he, by the way, dedicated it to his dog, is one called The Universal Christ. And it was released in March, recently number 12 on the New York Times bestseller list for nonfiction, although I think it should be under fiction, because many of his individuals in the Roman Catholic Church have described the book as dangerous and even heretical. And the only reason we bring it up is, even though this is written by a Roman Catholic, it is a kind of a thinking on the part of many, many people. Uh, For example, how many times have I spoken to individuals and, uh, for example, I just had another ride on Uber yesterday and we got into theology. And there's no doubt that a lot of people just simply think that all religions are the same. They all have the same God. It's just that they have different ways of getting to heaven. And I've never really understood that. I mean, Jesus Christ makes it very clear. No one comes to the Father except through me. And what he's talking about is having faith in his gospel promises. So when somebody denies that Jesus even existed, let alone that he died on the cross or rose from the dead, then obviously they haven't come to the Father through Jesus Christ. And then you got every religion in the world outside of Christianity teaching that you're saved by your good works. Uh, All you need to do is go to the Internet and look up any religion outside of Christianity, Muslims, um, whatever you want to look up, Seventh... uh, I keep saying Seventh-day Amethyst. I don't mean them. They're Christian. But um, Jehovah Witnesses, Christian scientists, and the like. And you will find that there's a set of rules that they have to follow in order to be saved. Now, Christianity sounds like it has rules, which it does. But if you're able to obey all those rules perfectly, then you would be saved because you never would have sinned. But as soon as sin comes into the world, then you need another way of salvation than simply by obeying rules. 
And it doesn't appear that Richard Rohr understands this. And, and therefore, what we're trying to say here is, yes, we can come to a knowledge of what God wants us to do after we are saved. But all of those good works, whether the Ten Commandments or whatever, are really not the way of salvation, but instead indicate this is what God would like us to do once we are saved. All right, I've got more to say about this, but we want to get to the phone calls at this time. And just call me at 1-800-730-2727, and we're going to start off with Randy. Hi, Randy, you're on the air. It's Sandy. Oh, Sandy, I'm sorry. No, no, she did write Sandy. The S looked like an R. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, I was so glad that you brought up this evangelist or person, Richard Rohr, correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, I was uh, just introduced to this person um, through a friend of mine. I haven't followed him. She is. She was raised Lutheran, uh, ended up becoming Pentecostal, and we've had many talks, very solid in the faith, okay? You know, there's some differences, and we just don't even discuss that, but we talk scripture. Yes. Who Christ is. You know, all these things. She is enamored with this man, and uh, I was so glad for you to uh, at least address this person. Uh, I'm going to investigate more. Uh, one thing she had said, and I guess you've mentioned it in his book, that Christ is in everything. Yes. Which Jesus is he teaching, Pastor? Could you answer this? And then where do we find this Christ, the one who gave himself for us? And this is what I want to represent to her when I get to talk to her. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much for calling. Yes, the Christ, he he even calls it the universal Christ. And he explains that, that Christ is in everything. In fact, he was even in his great companion he had for many years, which was his dog, Venus, believed that Christ was also working through his dog. And at any rate, his idea is one that is quite common. In fact, there were heresies in the early church about this, that everyone is going to be saved. Nobody is going to be going to hell. So it's a denial of hell. I would take what he says, like a denial of hell, And then ask your friend from Matthew 25, Jesus makes very clear the sheep are going to heaven, but the goats are going to hell. Well, how how does he understand that verse? And then, there oh, there are so many verses here. Jesus is really the purpose of the entire Bible. We find him in the Old Testament books as well as in the New Testament books. But he's found... In the third verse of the Bible, where it says, And God said, let there be light. That's Jesus talking there. And it's very clear that Jesus is going to be the judge. What does he do with all these passages from Thessalonians and other places where there's going to be a division between people, those who are believers and those who are unbelievers? And then I asked a specific thing yesterday, 
And it'll be interesting how he would reply to that, that through Jesus Christ, he's writing this, God loves and redeems everyone and everything. Well, does that mean Hitler? I I just would ask him that question and ask your friend, is, is Hitler going to be redeemed? See, here's the danger of this teaching. If a Hitler can be redeemed, there's no reason we have to obey any of the commandments of God. We can do everything out of self-interest, as did Hitler, and treat people not by loving our neighbors at all, but by hating them and even putting them to death. Now, he uses passages like Colossians 1, through whom all things are reconciled. But he doesn't understand that the reconciliation is on the part of the Father. God the Father is reconciled to the world. Now now think about reconciliation. If there is an irreconcilable relationship between two people, that means that either both of them or one of them does not want to be reconciled. Uh, A lot of people think that God is the problem, and therefore we have to do things so God will be reconciled to us. But that is not what Scripture says. God is no longer the problem because the reason he was separated from human beings was because of the death of Jesus. I'm sorry, because of our sins. But the death of Jesus Christ has taken care of that. And therefore, when Jesus died on the cross and received the greatest punishment of being forsaken by the Father, guess what? That means God is now reconciled to the world. But there's still irreconciliation going on because the world is not reconciled to God. The task of the church is not to get people to be doing things so God will be reconciled to them. No. The task of the church is first to explain God is reconciled to the world, but many in the world are not reconciled to God because they don't believe the promises of the gospel, which are the benefits that Christ won for us on the cross and the resurrection, such as the forgiveness of sins, the robe of righteousness, etc. So we agree with Colossians 1 that in Christ all things were reconciled to God the Father. But we disagree with this gentleman's interpretation that therefore there is total reconciliation between God and man, even if man doesn't recognize it, as Hitler, of course, did not recognize it. So I would use verses from the scripture, which makes it very clear that Jesus is the only Savior. And the Apostle Paul, it's just amazing. You can read Romans and jump to the conclusion that everybody is going to be saved. That That's not found anywhere in the book of Romans. It's not found anywhere in the Bible. Now, this gentleman, and I haven't heard more about it, at the Albuquerque Convention Center not long ago had over 2,000 people registered to attend the conference. It occurred on March the 28th.
and I haven't heard any of the results of that. Uh, maybe I need to look to YouTube or something like that. So at any rate, Rohr believes, and this is a quote from him, that everything without exception is the outpouring of God. Now, I don't know what that means. Are we saying that when Judas went to betray his Lord, that was an outpouring of God? That just doesn't make sense. And how many people have gone through extreme suffering at the hands of unbelievers or crooks or thieves and other such crimes? And they're going to say, oh, that was the outpouring of God? Now, why are people so infatuated with him? Well, let's say you have a friend that you really like, but he's not Christian. And you feel bad about thinking that, well, this person will not be going to heaven because he doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. Rohr says it doesn't matter because everyone is reconciled not only to God, but God is reconciled to them. So for those who have relatives and friends, this is a welcome kind of teaching from the devil. In other words, it's very similar to what even Adam underwent from the devil, where he lied to them. The, the devil never says anything that is true. It's always a lie. And the way you find out it's a lie is you listen what the devil is saying. He'll even quote scripture. Well, that's found in uh, the temptation of Jesus. Remember that go to the top of the temple and throw yourself down and be alive. Because the Bible says that God will not, will make sure that nothing happens to you. He misquotes scripture because he forgets the part as long as Jesus is doing the will of the Father. It's not just to jump off the pinnacle of the temple. In fact, in that day, there was a theory on the part of some religious leaders that the Messiah will appear at one of the corners of the pinnacle of the temple, and when we see him there, that is the Messiah. So what the temptation was from Satan to Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to suffer for the sins of people. All you got to do is get on top of the pinnacle of the temple. And when you jump down and you're still alive, then they will believe you're the Messiah. Now, even if that had happened, the devil would have given the people the notion that he was the Messiah, not in the sense of a sacrificial suffering Savior, but in this sense, guess what? He's going to be an earthly king. He's going to get rid of the Romans. He's going to give you all the food you want, all the drink you need. You're going to have a wonderful life. He's going to restore Israel to its former grandeur. That's the kind of Messiah that the people who received the feeding of the 5,000, that's what they concluded. Remember, they ran after Jesus to make him a bread king. 
And Jesus himself says, they saw the miracle, but they missed the sign. You see, the miracles were kind of signposts for what reason? Well, John the baptizer had sent his disciples to Jesus asking, are you the one we're looking for or is there another? And what does Jesus say? The deaf hear, the blind see, and so forth. These were not just miracles done, but they, in fact, were signs pointing to Jesus as the promised Messiah. So I would look for verses that make it very clear that what Rohr is saying is contradictory to the Bible, and then ask him just exactly what that means. Okay? Uh, let's go to our uh, next uh, listener. Uh, hi, I'm Pastor Baker. Is Who's this? This is George Sylvester. Yeah, George. Go ahead, George. Yes. Well, you know, a question has come up, and I put it on a confessional forum. Should there or should there not be, or doesn't it really matter as an offer whether we have a communion service on Good Friday? Um, I'm doing a Good Friday service, and we're not having a communion service. So, because we had one on Monday, Thursday. Well, you know, we have one in our congregation every single divine service we have. We never have a divine service without communion. And one of our members asked me, I'm one of the elders, asked, why do we have this? The church I came from doesn't have communion on Good Friday. And, uh, you know, I put the question on the Confessional Lutheran Forum, and I get answers. A lot of people say no. A lot of people say yes. Some people say, was there a service, a CS service or something? And then there's a today. I, I, there's so many different names for them all. And some of them say, I do this and we have one service, which is Thursday, Friday, and Sunday, all three. We never end the service and have a benediction until uh, after the resurrection service on Sunday. It gets confusing. Yes. I would say that that would be an area where a congregation can make a decision. When I first came to the congregation I was at for 28 years, they only had communion every other Sunday. And I like that because we had a lot of people who were visitors, and it was difficult to tell them, and baptisms we would always do on non-communion Sundays. But I had a, a co-pastor, Peter Kurowski, who wanted to go to every Sunday, and I said, no, you're wrong. I'm going to take a course, which I did with a uh, Evanson. And at the end of the course, I agreed with him that it would be appropriate to have communion every Sunday. But it doesn't mean that that is what everyone has to do. Each congregation can make up its decision. I'm working with four congregations right now. Two of them have communion every Sunday, but they don't have it during Lenten, whereas the other one has it every Sunday and another one has it every other Sunday. My home church, uh, St. Paul de Pere, with 2,000 members, has it every other Sunday. So I would consider it to be a decision on the part of the congregation. And if they want to do it, when I came to the conclusion, it'd be nice to have it every Sunday, we did studies for six months on the Lord's Supper until the people asked to have it every Sunday. And that yeah. was very important to do. Well, we, we've been with this congregation now for about seven or eight years. Since yes. We moved here. And it's, 
It's every Sunday. And, and it's it, to me, he said, do this in remembrance of me. That means every time we have divine service, when he is serving us, it's appropriate to have the communion. And that's why we've done it that way. But as I said, this one person asked, and it, is it inappropriate? And I, that's why I called to ask you, sir. Yeah, it's not yeah. inappropriate not to have it every Sunday. That's beautiful. But it's up to the congregation. And that should be a decision of the voters. Super. That's what okay. we decided. And I thank you very much for your answer. Uh, thank you so much for calling. The Lord be with you. All right. Bye-bye. You too, sir. Boy, I'd like to continue. We've got another one on, but I only have 15 seconds. <laughs> so we're going to have to end this today. Uh, call in early next time, and we'll get you on Open Mic Friday. Adi Afra, for those who are wondering, is something that God never commands for sure. So that's why you see pastors with different vestments on. Some pastors wear an alb. Others wear what I wear, which was is a surplus also. So does it matter? No. It's kind of up to the congregation to make those decisions. On Monday, boy, we're going to be taking a look at uh, Holy Week and be looking at a verse for either Easter, uh, Monday, Thursday, or Good Friday. Join me, Tom Baker, on Monday. And during Easter, please help contribute to our cause. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.